0: This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. We're in chapter three now. We'll begin there, but remember now uh, her mother-in-law Naomi knows that Ruth has been uh, gleaning in Boaz, who's a near relative, is the Goel, in uh, the field there. And so she says, stay near the maids. But now things are going to be up. The Andy's going to be up now because uh, now the, um, the romance, the courtship, I guess is the way we'd say it, is going to begin. And as we've pointed out before, there are many similarities, symbolisms to pointing to Jesus Christ and the Gentile church, which is us. And we're going to see some more of those right now. And they're really cool, but there's so much application. Uh, from this little letter here about relationships and how a relationship should operate. So chapter um, chapter three, um, beginning at verse one says this, "Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, "My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? Now what's going on here is Naomi is going to now play matchmaker. Um, And every time I read that verse in the last 20-some years since the movie Titanic came out, I always think about how, you know, the mother was pressing Rose into marrying the guy that she didn't want to marry, and she liked Jack instead, and you know the movie Titanic. But in this case, uh, Ruth is okay. She's okay with being pointed towards Boaz. This guy's a great guy. Now, Naomi now is saying to her, We're going to match you up with this guy. And one of the key words that she uses right there, shall I not seek security for you? Now, it's an interesting word or choice of words that she uses. We have seen that word earlier in this letter. But it wasn't security. They said it a different way. Same Hebrew word. If you go to Ruth chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, when after these widows have lost their husbands and lost everything and and Naomi's trying to get them to go back and find their own husband in their own land. Verse 8 says, And Naomi said to her, two daughters-in-law, because remember they started with two, Go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest. Hold on that word. Each in the house of his husband. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. In other words, she's saying, Go back to where you came from, your homes originally, because your husband died. I don't have any more sons. Go back and find a husband. But she calls it, You may find rest. That word rest there, and the word security in chapter 3, verse 1, same word. She is telling Ruth, You're going to find rest for you, meaning a husband. You want me to seek that security for you? Now, I like that. Because when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, when it comes to knowing Him, Jesus made a fantastic, truthful statement found in Matthew chapter 11 and verse um, 28 through 30. And it says this, and some of you know these verses, a common verse. He says, Come to me, all, who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And doesn't life wear on us? Don't we grow weary? And he says, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. But now, it's not just say, I'm here. Watch what he says. He says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, take his laws, take his truths upon you, and and learn from me. You've got to learn from Jesus. In other words, live it the way he says to live it. For I am gentle and humble in heart. He's not going to hurt you. And you will find rest for your souls. The same way you go to sleep at night to rest your physical body. You have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions that sometimes work double, triple overtime. And that can wear you out. He gives you rest for your soul. And verse 30 says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, think of what's going on right here. <clears throat> he says, Come to me, Follow my path, live my my way, and I'll give you rest for your soul. Hmm. You know what Noah's name means? It means rest. It's like he's saying, Come into me and I'll give you Noah. Well, you think about Noah. Noah was put in that ark that he built, and then the storms of life came, the literal storms. And God kept them safe in there. And Noah had rest. Even as that ship is rocking and rolling all all over the place, he had rest. That's a picture of what God is telling you and I. That when you come to Jesus Christ, you should find rest. In the middle of all, especially today, the kind of craziness and insanity of what we see, of the likes I don't think I've ever seen in my lifetime, you can have rest on the inside. But that goes back to your salvation too. If you really, really think about that. And I want to show you something about your salvation and rest. Turn back to Genesis chapter 15. This is when God makes the covenant with Abraham. It's a really interesting, cool passage that deserves probably about an hour's worth of dialogue, but I'm only going to take about 30 seconds. Let me read it and just pull out one little tidbit out of it. It says, verse 12 of Genesis 15. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. Notice he's resting now. Key. And behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him, but he's asleep. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. He's talking about in the future when Israel goes into bondage in Egypt for 400 years. But I will also judge the nations whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions, which did happen. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. Then in the fourth generation they, meaning the ones who went into bondage, shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. So God has them over there because He's given people in the promised land, these Amorites and all the nations there, He's given them time to repent, 400 years worth of time to repent. People say God's quick to judge. No, He isn't. Give them all that time to repent. And they didn't repent. And that's why when Israel comes out and gets to the promised land, they have to wipe out all the nations there because of the ugliness of their sins. It was bad. No time right now to get into it. Verse 17, it came about when the sun had set that it was very dark and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces and that's the form of the covenant right there. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. If you see how big Israel's land really is versus what it is today, They have a sliver of what is truly their land. Isn't that crazy? But here's what I want to um, point out to you. Question actually. Who did all the work in the covenant? God or Abraham or both together? Just God. What was Abraham doing? He was sleeping. Oh my friends, my friends, my friends, my friends. You want to have rest and peace in your life? You got to finally come to the truth. And truth is your highest commodity, most important commodity, because there are so many lies out there. The truth is, that once you put your faith in Christ, you're born again. You're saved. You don't have to question it. You don't have to second guess it. God did all the work, and Abraham lives in the same covenant we do by faith. You don't have to work for it. Yes, do we walk in our, our best uh, ability and holiness and righteousness? Yes. But I'm not saved by what I do. I'm saved by what I believe. God did all the work. And you can have peace in that. And you can have rest in that. Isn't that a great thing? That I don't have to sit there and listen to the, the lies of the devil and say, No, you're not saved. Oh, you really think you're saved? See what you did there? See that? I don't have to listen to that anymore. Because you see, Revelation says that. The devil accuses us day and night, doesn't he? But then it goes on to say in those verses, but we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The blood of the Lamb has wiped all our sins away. You have rest in Jesus Christ. Mm. I like that. I <clears throat> See, the other application of this rest is, uh, you go back to Noah, go back to Ruth, is I can have peace in God in turbulent times. Now let me show you a verse that Jesus said and hopefully this maybe helps you, this verse helps you today in these times of COVID, uh, the chaos in the streets, where you're looking at like, are we in the last days of earth or what? You know, what's going on here? Let me give you a, a verse. It's John chapter 16 and verse 33. John 16, 33 says this. These are Jesus' words. He says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. Notice your peace is not in and of yourself. You'll never find it in and of yourself. It's only in Jesus, and as a Christian, you're in Christ. In the world out there, in the culture, in the system, and we know the God of this world is Satan, that the Bible says that, He's blinded the minds of those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. But in the world you have tribulation, and everybody has tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. You see, when I'm in Jesus, I'm like Noah in the vessel. I don't have to worry as everything's shaking and turning and everything else. I'm in Jesus. I, I have rest. You know, I was watching them. Um, you know, we've had, it's a crazy year, not just with what we just said, but the fires and the hurricanes and the tropical storms that are battering the southeastern states of the United States. It's just a weird year. Who would have ever thought 2020 was going to be like this? We'll probably be so glad to see it go when it goes. But I'm watching the Weather Channel. I just like to watch the Weather Channel when there's a hurricane because some of these these weather people are psycho. I remember one night this one girl's out there. There's one of the hurricanes coming in. I think it's going to be a cat two, moving her cat three, like about three weeks ago. And, I mean, it's getting closer and closer. And she's out there, and it's blowing her every which way, and she's got the mic. Are you crazy, lady? Are you crazy? But at a, you know she could stand at a certain point, but once it got closer and closer, and the winds intensified as the outer banks, the outer rims of that st- hurricane hit. Boy, they got out of there and they went into this. Um, it was a parking structure, and it was built to withstand the you know massive hurricanes, Cat Fives. And they're in there, and they're reporting from there. But see, they needed a the structure stronger, more powerful. Than themselves when the winds got too strong. And in there they had peace. Well, that's what Jesus is to us. See, some of you, the winds are too strong right now, aren't they? They're pushing hard against you. The tribulations are tough. Some of you are going through really down, depressed, depressed times, oppressed times, because you've been locked in for so long. I know, I felt a little bit of that myself. Some of you are struggling because, you know, you work in in industries where they've closed you down, and it's tough. There's a lot of tribulation, there's a lot of oppression, there's a lot of these things. The darkness is around us. But Jesus said, be of good courage. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. See, my peace doesn't come from me. I can't fabricate peace, maybe for about 10 seconds, but it doesn't maintain. I need the peace of Jesus Christ in my life. And he's there for you, friend, as a follower of Christ, and he never leaves you. And he's, never, he's not going anywhere. Could you rest in that today, please? Could you please rest in that today? Praise the Lord. Verse 2. Now, is not Boaz our kinsman? Now, Naomi's going to continue on the matchmaking dialogue. Um, now, is not Boaz our kinsman? That's the Goel, remember. Uh, with whose maids you were, you remember hanging out with the maids in the in the field there. Behold, meaning look, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Mm. He winnows barley. The barley harvest is the, uh, in the future will be the the resurrection Sunday. It's first fruits, but he winnows barley and the threshing floor tonight. In other words, we know where this guy's at. So, first he says he's our kinsman. He's our Goel. He's the nearest Redeemer in their minds. So, he's the guy that can redeem her. He's the guy that can marry Ruth. And we know we've already looked before at Leviticus chapter 19, 9 and 10 to see why, what, what law is in place. Now, think about this. I want to give you some thoughts. He winnows barley at night on the threshing floor. Now, once again, The threshing floor. They take the harvest. They they would have found a hill and they flattened that hill out on top, you know, years before. They'd put their harvest on top there. They would get a threshing sled being pulled by oxen. They'd sit on it and underneath it have like different rocks and this and heavy things. And they'd go over the wheat and it would break the wheat off from the chaff. The chaff is what you don't want. It's lighter. The wheat is what you want. You can make bread out of it. Once they ran that thing over and over again, after that, they take a fork, a win-win fork. They're up on a hill. The breeze blows. They toss thing, toss the stuff in the air. The breeze blows away the chaff. You don't want that. The heavy stuff, the grain, the wheat falls back onto the ground. That's why they separate the wheat from the chaff. That's a, That's an important picture right there because... Jesus would state that's going to a picture of what's going to happen at the end of all things. That God will separate the wheat, those who put faith in Jesus Christ, as savior, from the chaff, those who rejected. They didn't want him. One will go in eternity with God; the other will go in eternity in hell. And that's that's what's stated. I, I can't whitewash that one for you. It's it's what it is. Now, <clears throat> a couple more applications. Boaz is separating the wheat from the chaff, it says, at night. I like that. I really do. I'll tell you why. Do you remember before you were a Christian? The Bible says your mind was darkened. Remember when you looked at things a certain way? The wrong way? Do you remember the things you felt before you knew God and the search for happiness and the search for meaning? And you went from this to that and the other thing. Remember some of the crazy ways you thought? The ways you see they think out there? But you used to think that. Remember that? You were in the darkness, so was I. And then it was in that darkness that Jesus Christ came and saved me. And He saved you. And He separated the chaff from my life. And He put my feet on solid ground and I started to embark in His truth. Gosh, isn't that great? He separated you from the darkness, separated me from the darkness. The third thing I want to say about that is this, about Boaz actually, because <clears throat> Boaz, from this verse two, he's a good catch. Ladies, don't you want a good catch? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Uh, he's, why is he a good catch? Well, he's working, <laughs> he has a job. He's out there actually working. Let me tell you what's great about the guy. They know where the guy is going to be. They don't have to, you don't have to guess, well, where's my husband tonight? Or where's my wife tonight? Where are they going here? Where are they going? No. They know where he is and they know therefore where he won't be. He's not out carousing. He's not out doing this. He's not out doing the wrong things. He is working. He's working his job and they know right where he is. He's not leading a double life. That's a good thing, guys. It's a good thing. says, <clears throat> Some of you married somebody and what you saw wasn't what you got. And that that's a hard thing. That's a tough thing. But here, what you see is what you get. He's out there working. I like that about the guy. Now, verse 3 says this. Wash yourself. Now she's telling her you're going to clean up now. Because, you know, you've been in the field all day and you're kind of stinky, Ruth. Because she has been working from morning till night. She says, wash yourself therefore and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. In other words, put on your high school prom dress. (laughs) No, I don't know. (laughs) Something like that. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Okay, Ruth. We got a plan here. You want security? There's a good catch. We know where he's at. He's got a job. We've seen before. He's very generous. You know, he has taken a notice of you. We know we've seen all these things before. And um, now it's time for you to get out of your widow clothing, okay? Now it's time for you to come out and be who you really are. Now think, Naomi is giving Ruth what you and I today would call dating advice. Have you ever gotten bad dating advice? Did you ever even seek dating advice? <laughs> I, I didn't. You know, I, I wish I would have. I still would have, Olivia and I would have still married, but I wish I, it would have helped me. would have made me a lot better person. Because I was still very young in the Lord back then. But dating advice, it's good. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think about this because this is what marriage, if you don't catch this and you're engaged or when do you want to get married, if, you're, if you don't listen to what I'm going to say now, it's not going to work. Where does Naomi tell Ruth to go? Down to the threshing floor where Boaz will be eating and eventually sleeping. Oh. On the threshing floor. What do they do at the threshing floor again? They separate the wheat from the chaff. It's a place of separation. Oh, listen, listen. For Ruth to go there to the threshing floor, the picture is magnificent. What she's doing is she is now Ready, willing, able, and saying by going there that I'm going to separate myself from my old way of life. And I'm going to sacrifice and commit my life to this one person for the rest of my life. It's a picture of our salvation in Jesus. Didn't we separate from our old way of life? And then we gave our entire life to Jesus. What He says goes. doesn't matter what you feel or what you think. If that goes contrary to the Word of God then it's irrelevant. You, Jim, you say it all the time. Because we live in a day where they have their own truth and they have their own this. And, no, it, is it true or not? The Word of God is what's true. And if you or I feel or think something different than that, it's irrelevant. Now, listen, friend, listen. Um, single person, person who's been married and divorced, person dating, person engaged, even if you're married, if you're not ready To give your entire life, separate from your old ways, your past, give your entire life to that person, one person, for the rest of your life, then don't do it. Well, Jim, you're scaring me. Well, yeah, I'm scaring you because you need to be sobered up a bit to realize that marriage is not a game. That's why so many marriages break up. People leading double lives. you are only gonna give you 70% of myself. I'm only gonna do this. See, here's, the, here's what I'm trying to get you to avoid because I'm gonna to talk to a few of you out there right now. Some of you got married and you were ready and willing to give you 100% of your life to that person, weren't you? And you got married and after a time, months, years, whatever it was, it, it was like they weren't ready to give their entire life to me and you got hurt. And you got wounded, jilted, disillusioned with marriage possibly, distrust of people, and your heart hurts. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. That was one of His mission statements from the very get-go. Now, let me show you a few things about God when it comes to hurt hearts. Look at Psalm 147. Psalm 147, it says this in verse uh, 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, when you come to Jesus Christ, not only does He give you rest, He heals your heart. He heals the wounds. He wants to make you into a whole person, not a fragmented person. When you become a whole person, you're able to pick out another whole person. But when you're fragmented and broken, you're, you're, at best bet you're going to guess and pick out another broken person because you can't discern what the wholeness looks like. Let him heal you up. Let me show you another verse, Psalm 34, verse 18. Watch this. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What a great promise on That when you're broken hearted, God is near to you. And that's just not for Christians. That's just God's character. He's near to anyone who's broken hearted. He came to heal the broken hearts. I like that about God. I like it a lot about God. Now, back to Ruth, verse four. Now, more dating advice. Now, you're going to go down to the threshing floor. She says, And it shall be when he lies down, meaning goes asleep, that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will tell you what you shall do. Now, first off, it's kind of funny because, okay, Ruth, you're going to go down there. You're going to watch the guy uh, for a while. You're going to kind of stalk him, but not really, but you're just going to observe, you know, and then you're going to wait to see where he goes to sleep. Now, here's what I like. In verse 3, he was eating. In verse 4, she says, you just wait, wait till you see where he lies down. Great, great advice. Don't bother a working guy while he's eating. (laughs) Ladies, the weight of that man's heart is through that that boy's stomach, man. Don't bother him when he's eating, man, especially a hard-working man. That's great advice. Don't bother him when he's eating, Ruth. Don't do it. (laughs) That's not wise. I like that a lot. Now, she says, watch where he goes to sleep at. And once you see him lay down there and you think he's falling asleep, can you see her out there in the dark just waiting and waiting? And he goes to sleep, go down there, uncover his feet. Because his feet will get cold, he's gonna wake up. But uncover his feet and lay down right there at his feet. You go lay down there and wait. <clears throat> and then when that happens, when his feet get cold and he wakes up, then he'll tell you what to do. Now, some of you just might be thinking, this is kind of sexual and kinky. No, it's not. It's totally symbolic. It's totally pure. It's right on the money because Well, let me give you the picture. He falls asleep. Shin covers his feet. She's laying there. He wakes up. Now think about it. He lied down to fall asleep. He finished working. I'm going to parallel it now. Jesus on the cross says, It is finished. He finished working. He did the work to save us. Okay. Naomi says, wherever Boaz lies down, you go down there, see where he lies down, and you go down right there. And resurrection Sunday morning, the women came to the tomb. They came there that day, and the angel says, come see the place where he was lying, where he was laying down. Ah, uh, you see the parallels? Yeah. And then she says to, you lay there at His feet until He wakes up and He'll give you the instructions, meaning to redeem you, to save your life. He'll give the instructions on making you His wife. Now, lie down and wait And see what he tells you to do. What a peaceful statement. Let me illustrate that for all of you. Turn to John chapter 2. It's the famous, you know, turning the water to wine uh, story. But in John chapter 2, watch what it says in verses 1 through 5. It says, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, real quick, the third day, Tuesday, why would they get married on Tuesday? Because if you go back to the Genesis record, the days of creation, there's a double blessing. God blessed the third day twice. And so that's why they would get married on the third day. That's one of the the reasons anyway. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. So Jesus gets invited to a wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Now, that's an interesting thing. They, run out, they have no wine. And, uh, you know, for us it would be like, we've run out of cake. <laughs> and people want cake. Verse 4, and Jesus said to her, here's what he says to his mother, woman, now that's not a negative derogatory term. It's like saying, my lady, it's very respectful. He says, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. He says, it's not time for me yet. Let me segue out and back before I read verse 5. If you're Mary, his mother, you have been living with the stigma that you got pregnant outside of wedlock and that he's illegitimate. And you pondered all these things in your heart and you never said a word. 30 years. And now you have an opportunity for Jesus to show who he really is. And she says, come on, show him who you are basically. And he says, my hour's not come. No. And then verse 5, she does a very smart thing. When he says, I don't plan on having my coming out party this way, she says, his mother said to the servants, Whatever He says to you, do it. Naomi told Ruth, lay there, he wakes up and he'll tell you what to do. And what he tells you to do, do it. Isn't that our faith? Isn't that what following Christ is all about? Jesus finished the work. Boaz finished working. Boaz lays down. The women come to the tomb to find out where he was lying in the tomb. And then Naomi says, when he wakes up, he'll tell you what to do. And now we find out as a follower of Christ. Now we find out what do you want to do? What do you want me to do, Jesus, in my life? What what is it? Let me tell you about why that's important to to you and to me. How many times in my life, in your life, um, are we trying to find a solution to something that is beyond our experience and above our pay grade? Any amens on that one? We we don't always know what to do, we don't and sometimes we just have to sit there. Whatever He says to you, do it. Naomi tells you, well, wait there and whatever He says to you, do it. Now, let me tell you why that's important because that brings you peace and that brings you rest. Come on, how many times have you and I, like Abraham and Sarai, just burst forth and figure, I know how to figure this out and then we end up with an Ishmael and all kinds of problems with that. Because we didn't wait. We didn't wait on Jesus to tell us what to do. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now back, last verse, let me just make a statement and we'll be done today. Verse 5 of Ruth 2 it says, She said to her, Ruth tells Noemi now, all that you say, I will do. Just like John chapter 2, 5. Whatever he says to you, do it. All that you say, I will do. Man, I just hope that I can I can say something like that to Jesus regularly. All you say, I will do. No matter what anybody feels or thinks. No matter if they come against me or not. All you say, I will do. Well, hopefully today meant something to you. You can always share these things with people. Um, it was great talking to you today. And uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Hey, God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.